Good afternoon, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to this pre-recorded broadcast of Shooting from the Hip. I'm your host, Mark Avery from Sim Trainer, the Dayton area's first indoor range and firearms training center. You can visit us on the web at sim-trainer.com. You can call us at the range at 937-293-3914 or stop down and see us. Our range is located at 2031 Dryden Road, right across from the AES Ohio Power Company Maintenance Yard. We'd be glad to discuss with you any of your firearms needs and interest. As I mentioned, this is a pre-recorded show. I am actually out this weekend at the Greene County Fairgrounds for Hamvention. If you've never been to Hamvention before, and this is the first one there's been in three years, so anyone who's new to the amateur radio or uh, getting into that interested in getting into it, uh, this is a great opportunity for you to be out there at the Greene County Fairgrounds and find out a lot about what's going on. There are there are lots of people who will be out there. Since there hasn't been one for several years because of COVID, uh, you, you're going to find a big crowd out there as well, I'm sure. Um, and it's, uh, it's, a, it's great fun. So if you've never been out there, if you've never been to one of the Dayton area's premier events, uh, this is one of the premier events in the world for amateur radio and for other things related to radio and, and uh, technology. Uh, this is a, a great opportunity for you to get out there. They'll probably do, be doing another one next year unless something unusual happens. Uh, but if you have a chance to get out there in the next day or so, you may want to consider that. That's why I'm not doing a live broadcast today because I wanted to be out there. Uh, this is the first time since I got my amateur radio license that Hamvention has been in place. So uh, I, that's the reason I am doing this show pre-recorded. You can still reach me by going to our website at sim-trainer.com, clicking on the contact tab to open the form and send an email. And uh, if you have an immediate question, the range will be open until the show is over, so you can call there directly at 937-293-3914. If the staff member on duty doesn't have an answer to your question, I'll answer it as soon as practical. Also, anything that you send through the contact tab, uh, I will respond to those directly. And if uh, it's appropriate, I will also talk about it on the air as uh, at a future show. This week has, uh, over the last weekend actually, uh, there were a couple of shootings. And uh, there's been a whole lot of noise in the media about that. And, and I call it noise because it's uh, just simply not information that I find to be really useful. It's, uh, it's a lot of sound and fury, but not a whole lot of uh, really useful uh, proposals for how do we make sure these things don't happen. And I think part of the problem with the basic premise of preventing any of these future types of events from happening is that you can't prevent everything. You can stop things from happening when they are happening, but there's some things you simply can't prevent. There will be bad people who will do bad things, and when they do, the only way to ensure that fewer people are injured is to make sure that somebody can stop the bad thing from happening. So let's take a look a little bit at what happened in Buffalo, New York last weekend. It, it was 
a serious problem. Uh, there was somebody who had some what I would perceive to be serious mental problems. Uh, I think that a lot of people would agree with that, but um, I certainly am not a, um, a psychologist or psychiatrist, and I'm not going to try to diagnose what problems there may have been, why, what prompted this person to do the things that he did. Uh, there, there was a manifesto that he published, at least it appears that uh, he published this manifesto, this uh, statement. It's really a screed that talks about some of what he intended to do. And why was it that people didn't see this in advance? I don't know. Um, I'm sure that will be a lot of the information that is in the after the fact evaluation of what happened and why and what do we do to try to identify some of these problems before they occur and get the person the help that they need before they actually act out and create all the damage that this that this person did. We now know what the name of that person is, and I don't I choose not to mention his name. I don't think uh, he needs the publication or the publicity or uh, the notoriety that goes along with some of this. I think uh, it's a mistake on the part of the media to spend so much time focusing on the person who did these serious acts and created all this damage instead of on the people who suffered the damage and on the situations that might have been done uh, the things that might have been done in order to identify a threat and and try to help this person work through this in some more constructive way prior to uh, rather than focusing on what actually happened and the and the bad things that the person did of course that's not where president biden went following this event he went to an uh, an event in buffalo uh, speaking to the victims families and other community members on Tuesday, he appropriately mourned the loss of life and denounced the racist motivations of the attacker, at least to the extent that we know what they were. It certainly seems that this was a, a someone who is motiva- motivated by their hate of uh, people who didn't look like him. And I, frankly, I, I kind of hate that description. I think that's um, that's that's a bad way to put it. But in this case, it seems like it may well be the most appropriate description of his rationale, and at least as to the extent that he has uh, has documented it and made it available. Um, I don't think that this is something that is pervasive throughout society, and I believe that you will find most of the most of Americans are going to see this event and be as repulsed at it as I am and as he appeared to have been and as certainly the people in that community were and should have been. Um, but for him to use that as, an, a, meth, as a, a means or a vehicle to try to pass a new assault weapons ban and argue that reviving the ban uh, that was in place from 1994 to 2004 would prevent similar shootings is something that is simply not supported by any of the data. Uh, That particular ban, which a lot of us uh, in the gun community called a scary-looking gun ban, it it didn't actually ban anything that had to do with the functionality 
or the the capabilities of the tools themselves. It had all to do with the way they looked, and people who didn't really understand them were passing laws back in 1994 that banned certain features, none of which would have had any effect on on this, uh, with the exception possibly of the magazine ban, which already was the the magazine capacity ban, which was already in effect in New York. And this particular shooter violated after he purchased a weapon that was legal in New York and then modified it so that he could continue to swap out magazines and be able to reload quickly, as is the case for most of the semi-automatic firearms throughout the country in places other than where they've added these specific bans. So the, the the firearms that are most commonly in use throughout the country are very similar to the firearm that he used in committing this heinous act. Um, the president's comments have, and his gun control proposals, they've, he's, they've had some of these proposals already in Congress. There have some of these that have been put together and, and put through the House. They've not made it through the Senate. And they're going to probably not ever make it through because there's enough people in Congress who recognize that putting bans on the tools are not going to change the ability of people who are willing to violate the law and are willing to do things that are clearly illegal, going into a store and shooting people is illegal, especially in a situation like this where there was no threat, there was no, there, there was nothing other than people going and shopping and doing their normal business in a, in a local store, and this person appears to have chosen that location because of, number one, the gun ban, and he knew he wouldn't be opposed, and number two, because of his hatred of people that were most, uh, where there's most of these people in that community, where there's uh, people of, of color who were there and shopped in that facility, and part of the reason he chose that was because that was a high, where there was a high concentration of people that for some reason, which we don't really know yet what was going on in terms of why he would have this this uh, intense hatred of people, but he obviously did and took this out in, in a method that caused grave damage. And I, 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 I just can't, it's very difficult for me to put this into words because it's so painful to see what has happened and the impact on the community and on those people and really what it does to our entire society, uh, the, the pain that it causes. I think anybody who saw this, anybody who heard what happened, and I didn't hear about it until after the weekend simply because of what was going on in my life that weekend. I, didn't, I hadn't been checking the news, but when I heard about it and started following on what had gone on, it, it just it hurts my heart as much as it hurts anyone, I'm sure. There's, there can be no rational explanation for an act like this and the damage that was caused and the person going in and just starting to shoot at people. There, there is something seriously wrong when somebody is willing to do that. There's not anything that we can do 
by limiting the equipment that people can get access to legally through a background check that will prevent these kinds of situations from happening. And I know that those who are proponents of gun control don't recognize that or don't agree with what I just said. And that's fine. They don't have to agree with it. But there's no data that shows that trying to do something to limit access to everyone, because that's the effect of these kinds of laws, is going to have any impact on someone who's willing to do bad things and do evil things. They are going to do what they plan to do. Now, they can't get them legally. They will get them illegally. He was able to purchase his firearm legally going through a background check and purchased a weapon that was legal in New York, but then he modified that because it wouldn't do what he wanted it to do and be able to do all the evil things he had planned. So he modified that weapon and made it so that he could use removable magazines, put larger capacity magazines in, and be able to exchange magazines, which made that gun no longer legal in New York. But when he purchased it, it was a New York legal weapon. It just proves the point that it doesn't matter what the restrictions are. A criminal who is intent on doing evil is going to do evil and will do whatever it takes to make his evil plans successful. It's tragic. It's horrible. It's disgusting, but it's reality. And we need to deal with the reality or we'll never be able to come up with a method that says we need to stop this from happening. I need to take a break here, but we'll talk about a little bit more about this after the break. This is Mark Avery for Shooting from the Hip in a pre-recorded show on 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. It's our Ask the Expert weekend on the Miami Valley radio station with breaking news, weather, and traffic. 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. It's an Ask the Expert weekend on Dayton and Springfield's 24-hour news, weather, and traffic station. 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. Welcome back to this pre-recorded version of Shooting from the Hip. And before the break, I was talking about the shooting in Buffalo and the president's reaction to it. Um, one of the things that he said was, and I quote, we have to refuse to live in a country where black people going about a weekly grocery shopping can be gunned down by weapons of war employed in a racist cause. There's so many things wrong with that statement. Number one, we need to fix a problem where anyone would get shot doing something that they're legally allowed to do, which is clearly weekly grocery shopping falls in that category. It doesn't matter what the tool is that is used by someone who's willing to do that. And the whole epithet weapons of war to describe an AR-15, number one, it's inaccurate. And regardless of what the motivation was, in this case, it was definitely a racist cause. But focusing on that and saying we should never let these be done to attack a particular group of people with a racist motivation behind the attacker 
is to say implicitly that it might be okay for some other reason to do something similar if it's not racist and it's not a particular segment of the population that's attacked. Well, that's ridiculous on its face. That's, that's simply not the case. We need to, as a country, figure out what is some of these motivations, why is it that some of these things have started happening, and believe me, I'm not the one to answer that question, but it's something that needs to be answered because this is not something that has been pervasive throughout the country's history, even when there was much more racism in the country than there is now. We didn't see some of these things in, in the same way, certainly not in these mass casualty, these large event things. And some people would say, well, we didn't have the tools to do that. Well, that, that's completely not true. We've had many of these similar types of weapons for, for all of the last century, certainly. And that is, the, again, the, the point is not to focus on the tools that were used, but to recognize that these acts are wrong and figure out what would motivate someone to do that if we can identify these motivations and identify people who are having the mental, uh, in, my, in, in my view, deficiencies that would allow them to continue to do these kinds of acts or to, to contemplate these kinds of, of acts and then plan them and advertise that they're thinking about these and then not have some way to stop them from doing it, I think that's where the real problem lies. Mental health is a serious issue, and most people who are mentally ill are clearly not violent. But the few that are, in, like in a situation like this, that's something that if there's a way, and, and I have no idea what that way would be, but if there's a way to identify them and then say, let's get these people the help that they need before they do something horrific and take out tens or dozens or more people and cause these kinds of the this whole thing to occur then maybe that's something we should begin to focus on instead of focusing on the tools i know that it's much easier to try to assign blame on the tool that was used than to try to hold the individual accountable and figure out what needs to happen to hold other people accountable and stop them from doing these things before they happen. That's a much more difficult problem to solve, and it's part of the reason why, particularly in the current administration, where there's been a much greater emphasis on trying to implement gun control and actually more success in implementing gun control through non-legislative means— through regulation, through change of policy, and so forth. But the focus on guns is taking away from the real problem and the focus focusing on the real problem that says we need to make sure that these kinds of things can't happen. And that's clearly not the approach that at least the president has taken in this situation. I need to take another break and head out to the newsroom. When we come back, we'll try to take a little bit of a different tack and talk about some other stuff. 
This is Mark Avery for Shooting from the Hip on a pre-recorded show on 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. It's our Ask the Expert weekend on the Miami Valley Radio Station with breaking news, weather, and traffic. 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. It's an Ask the Expert weekend on Dayton and Springfield's 24-hour news, weather, and traffic station. 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Mark Avery, for this edition of Shooting from the Hip, which is pre-recorded. Uh, I'm out at uh, Hamvention this weekend, so wasn't going to do a live show. If you would like to find out more about Shooting from the Hip, maybe this is the first time you've tuned in. Maybe you're in from out of town. We uh, Thanks for visiting us. And uh, you can find out more about Shooting from the Hip by going to our website at sim-trainer.com slash radio and find some of the pre-recorded shows. There's actually a podcast link there as well. You can download and listen to the podcast on whatever podcast device or software that you use and listen to the as much of the show as you want after. It's usually uh, posted on Monday after the show airs. So that's a, a great way if you would like to be able to take it with you and listen uh, at your convenience and you're not available on Saturday afternoons to listen to the live show. Uh, you can, of course, listen to the live show either by tuning in on the air or by listening uh, on the stream at whio.com and click on the listen uh, to the, the podcast link or listen to the, the live stream of the uh, radio program uh, at uh, whio.com. Um, I want to talk a little bit about some of the things going on at SimTrainer. There has been a lot of interest in our advanced handgun series. It is a very popular series. It's a great way for you to step up your firearm skills and get you uh, more prepared to deal with whatever might happen that might cause you to be forced to use your firearm in self-defense or defense of another. And uh, the skills necessary to do that are something that you really want to practice. And the best way to do that is to practice under stress. That's the sim portion of the sim trainer, uh, simulating the stress of the violent encounter uh, to the extent we can do that without actually putting you in that situation. Uh, so the, the more that you've effectively trained, the more likely you are to be effective when the situation comes that requires you to use those skills. Our advanced handgun series is a great way to do that. And the next series starts on June 9th. So if you've been interested in getting the advanced handgun series, it's a five course series. Uh, It starts with mastering marksmanship fundamentals, which also includes drawing from the holster and uh, how to be successful in shooting, so some of the basic fundamentals associated with uh, being successful in shooting and in training and working towards uh, whatever your goal happens to be. Uh, The entire series is five full courses. Uh, Each course is four hours, and we're holding these on Thursday nights uh, between in June and uh, July. So you can go to sim-trainer.com to pre-register and then call or stop by the range to confirm your registration and uh, and make payment. So uh, the course, each course is $115, or you can buy the entire series and, and you get a discount when you do it that way. We also have a program called Training Pass Plus, which in addition to the entire five-course series, gives you a one-year membership to the range that is normally $250. So if you'd like to get both of those together, you can 
pre-register for the classes, register for all the classes, pick the, the I mean, the, there's only one uh, class for each of these set out there on the website right now. So go ahead and register for all five classes. And then when you call the range, say you want to get the training pass plus, and uh, the person who is uh, working there at the range will be able to get you hooked up with that, uh, take your payment, get you hooked up with the membership that will start when you come uh, the first time you come into the range. If you want to come in and pay in advance, you can start your membership then. Uh, one thing that I would recommend is that in order to have this class and to be really able to uh, get the full advantage of the advanced handgun series and recognize this is advanced handgun. We're not talking about learning how to handle your firearm. So if that's not something that you're already familiar with, you might want to consider our basic handgun class. Or if you've never handled a firearm before, you may even want to start with first shots. And we do have a first shots class on June 4th, the Saturday from noon to three. And if, if that's something that you're just trying to get into the firearms world, you want to learn a little bit about um, how this all works, and you've never handled a handgun before, uh, base, the basic handgun could be a place to start, but the first shots is a great way for people who may be a little bit uh, concerned about their ability to handle a firearm, and maybe they're worried about recoil. Well, you're not going to get much in the way of recoil with the first shots because that's all 22 based, and uh, we, we use firearms that are similar to the firearms that you would use for self-defense, but they're obviously all 22s, and so they're uh, much easier to handle, much easier to load, much easier to operate, and that's a very fun class as well. So it's very low stress. If you're new to firearms world and you would like to get started in that, first shots on June 4th is a good way to do that. We do have basic handgun classes on Sunday, June 5th, and on Monday, June 13th, and then we will have concealed carry classes on June 11th and June 15th to 16th if there's people that are interested in taking those classes. And again, for basic handgun and concealed carry, we also have a training pass, uh, which is the precursor to the training pass plus, training pa pass plus. And you sign up for both of those basic handgun and concealed carry classes. And then when you call the range, say you want to get the training pass, and that will give you, in addition to those two classes, it will give you the a three-month membership to the range to go along with that. So that'll give you an opportunity to practice some of those skills that you learned in those classes and be able to be more prepared than for taking the Advanced Handgun series if you're interested in doing that at a future date. So for those of you who already have the basic fundamentals, you're very comfortable using your handgun, you can place an accurate shot uh, on demand when you need to, you already know the basic fundamentals of loading, charging, making your gun safe, uh, how to place an accurate shot, uh, all of those kinds of things that, and you, and you want to step up, you, pro you already have your concealed handgun license perhaps, and you'd like to step up your skill set to be able to be more prepared for whatever might come that would cause you to use your firearm. The advanced handgun series then of course is the next step for that. And as I mentioned, the next advanced handgun series starts on June 9th. So you can, uh, that the best place for you to begin that process would be to go to our website at sim-trainer.com under classes and sign up for those classes and then uh, contact the range in order to confirm your slot. Now, as we've also mentioned in the past, we're preparing a class for unlicensed carry. And if you're interested in that, uh, it hasn't yet been scheduled, but it will be scheduled 
probably starting uh, a little bit later in June. And this class is for people who are interested in the new law that goes into effect on June 13th, and they would like to be able to carry without a license, but they want to make sure that they're doing it legally. So we're putting together a class to do that. One of the things that we would like to get from you is some idea as to when you would like to see those classes held. When would it be convenient for you to come to the class? And as many different options as you can give us, that'd be great. Again, you can email that information to us by going to our website at sim-trainer.com and click on the contact link and tell us that you're interested in the unlicensed carry or the permitless carry class and that you would like to see that available on particular days of the week or particular times. It could be during the day, it could be in the evening, it could be on the weekends, but we would like to hear from you when you would like that class and get some idea so that when we schedule that class, we can reach the people who are interested in it. So let us know that. Go to our website at sim-trainer.com and click on the contact link and let us know when you would like to see the unlicensed or permitless carry class available. Now, some of the things that we'll be covering in that class are what does it mean to be a qualifying adult? And what are some things that could exclude you from being considered a qualifying adult? Now, these are the same kinds of things that the sheriff would check on in doing a background check before issuing a license if you applied for a concealed handgun license. In order to be considered a qualifying adult, you must also be able to pass all of the background checks and be able to be issued a concealed handgun license. If for some reason you are unqualified or unable to get a concealed handgun license because there's something in your past history that prevents you from being able to pass the background check to get a concealed handgun license, you will also not be able to carry without a license. So anybody who's ever been denied a license, for whatever the reason is, if that reason is still uh, in effect, it's not something that's expired over time, then you will not be legally able to carry without a license either. So some of the things would be um, assault on a police officer. Assault on a police officer is a permanent ban from getting a concealed handgun license. Uh, and therefore, you would not also be able to carry a uh, firearm in an unlicensed mode. Um, if you have a conviction or a juvenile adjudication for domestic violence or a guilty or no contest plea to a lesser charge in which physical force was present, but it started as a domestic violence charge, you will not be able to get a license and you will also uh, not be able to legally purchase a firearm. Now, there are a lot of people who aren't aware of that. And that's one of the areas that when we teach the concealed carry class, uh, we have been asked by some of the sheriffs to mention that that is an exclusion that will keep you from getting a con concealed handgun license uh, because it's not something that everybody necessarily understands. They might think, well, I was never convicted of domestic violence. But if you were charged with domestic violence and then that charge was later reduced and you were pled guilty or pled no contest to something else uh, or were convicted of something else, but it started from a domestic violence charge, the domestic violence provisions continue and, and are still in effect. Now, you may not agree with this and I may not agree with it, but it doesn't matter. That's the way the law is. And it's a federal requirement. This is part of the Lautenberg Amendment 
that added domestic violence as a prohibition, even misdemeanor domestic violence, as a prohibition for possessing a firearm, and uh, that then applies as an exclusion for you being able to carry concealed without a license because you will no longer be considered a qualifying adult. Um, if you have any um, convictions or juvenile adjudications within the past three years, so juvenile adjudication would only be for someone who would be in probably 17 because you, you're not going to be a qualifying adult until you're 21. So uh, you would ha that would have to be have, have been within the last three years for someone who's already 21. Um, a misdemeanor uh, conviction of violence, except for resisting arrest or assault on a police officer, because those are things that were uh, specific exclusions. Already talked about those. Um, the uh, but a misdemeanor crime of violence. So those are some of the obvious things you would recognize. But some of the some of the less obvious things would be uh, menacing or um, uh, child endangerment would would fall into the category of a crime of violence. So if, if any of those things happened within the last three years, then you would not be able to be a qualified, you'd not be considered a qualifying adult. Now, if you read through the concealed carry manual, all of these things are laid out. And so if you, if you are planning on carrying without a concealed handgun license, you should get the concealed carry manual and read through it carefully and see if there's anything in there that would keep you from getting a concealed handgun license, because if there is, those things will also keep you from being a qualifying adult. Um, if you have any, uh, if it's twice within the last five years for assault or negligent assault, or if you have any convictions or adjudications within the past 10 years for resisting arrest, and that would also include complicity or an attempt to commit any of the above offenses. So all of those would keep you from being considered a qualifying adult and being able to legally carry under the new provisions which go into effect on June 13th. So those are the, some of the kinds of things that we will be covering in that class. And uh, in addition to some of the basic things, and that class will also include uh, some shooting time. So if you're interested in that, please contact the range and let us know when you'd like to have that class. And we will add that to our calculus and figuring out when we're going to offer those classes coming up fairly soon. Um, I need to take a last break for the hour. This is Mark Avery for a pre-recorded program of Shooting from the Hip on 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. It's an Ask the Expert weekend on Dayton and Springfield's 24-hour news, weather, and traffic station, 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. It's an Ask the Expert weekend on Dayton and Springfield's 24-hour news, weather, and traffic station, 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. Welcome back to the show. This is Mark Avery for this pre-recorded version of Shooting from the Hip. Uh, there's a, something I'd like to mention that hasn't gotten a lot of attention, certainly not in the media, but uh, there have been some successes in keeping worse gun control from going into effect. Uh, back in March, President Biden signed a massive spending bill that uh, funds the government through the end of the year. But there were several provisions in that bill that could have been pretty serious problems for gun owners if they had passed. Um, the, uh, 
some of them were things that were removed that needed to get put back in. Some of the things were things that should have not been in there that have been then removed. Uh, for example, there was a um, pro-gun rider that was part of that bill that allowed firearms export firearms parts exports to Canada, and it pro- prohibited the ATF from requiring export license for small firearms parts valued at less than $500 for export to Canada. So it removed some uh, unnecessary and burdensome requirement on gun manufacturers that was that was actually imposed under the Clinton administration, and that, that was able to remove that. Another one was uh, preventing the ATF from arbitrarily denying importation of qualified curio and relic firearms. So there's a lot of firearms that have historical value but they're still considered firearms, and these the firearms that meet all the legal uh, requirements for importation into the United States are not going to be prevented f- uh, from being imported to the United States simply because the executive branch decides they don't like them. Uh, similar, uh, similarly, it prohibits the Department of Justice. There's a, a provision that pro- prohibits the Department of Justice from requiring imported shotguns meet a specific sporting purposes test that the ATF has in the past used to prohibit importing shotguns with features that the agency particularly doesn't like, like adjustable stocks or an extended magazine tube. Uh, so that one got uh, eliminated uh, and made it so that the, they could no longer do that. Uh, pr- protecting lead ammo and fishing tackle from being regulated uh, by the Toxic Substances Control Act. Uh, this is one of the, the backdoor methods of eliminating the ability to shoot uh, and to other outdoor sporting uses of lead. Uh, that is not dangerous by itself to do these kinds of things. Now, there are obvious other restrictions on using lead, for example, over water. Uh, where fish can in, ingest it and cause uh, some problems in the, in the groundwater system. That's that's a completely separate issue, but they're trying to use that and say, well, because lead might possibly be toxic in some situations, let's eliminate it from all sporting use, uh, and you're no longer able to make lead ammunition. Obviously, that would be a serious problem. Um, there's uh, pr- protecting historic firearms and spent brass casing from destructions. It pr- it That was uh, something that was put in that says you're no longer, they would not be able to use uh, the U.S. military to destroy these things. Uh, There has been an effort to say, well, the military brass, particularly for uh, 223 or 5.56 millimeter, which is the the standard NATO round, uh, that's what the M16s use. Uh, Also, the 7.62 NATO round, which is what's in the M14, all that brass, they, the military has been making it available then for reloading, uh, remanufacturing, and being able to make it available for firearms use uh, for civilians. And that it's, a, it's a great source of reducing the cost and making much better use of this uh, brass than just crushing it and melting it down and using it again, much more expensive use. Uh, so it, it makes all that available. So these are some things that were worked on by the Institute for Legislative Action, and they were very successful in getting those things uh, fixed in the bill that went in that has already been passed. Uh, but the, that's that's a good thing that we were able to get some of those things done. Uh, again, let me mention very quickly our next advanced handgun series starts on 
Thursday, July 9th. If you're interested in that, go out to our website at sim-trainer.com and you can sign up for those classes if you're interested in getting the Training Pass Plus, which will allow you to get all five classes plus a uh, one-year membership to Sim Trainer so that you can come back and practice those skills later. Uh, that's a great way to do that, and we'd encourage you to do that. Go out to sim-trainer.com, sign up for the classes, and then contact the range and uh, confirm that and let them know that you're interested in getting the Training Pass Plus, which will, of course, get you the membership uh, to come back and shoot as well. If you're interested in getting learning, beginning the process, we have a First Shots class on June 4th from noon to 3, and Basic Handgun on June 5th and June 13th. Uh, and the other classes as well. All of this you can find on our own website at sim-trainer.com, and I would encourage you to go out there. Thanks very much for being part of the show today. This is Mark Avery for Shooting from the Hip on 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. It's an Ask the Expert weekend on Dayton and Springfield's 24-hour news, weather, and traffic station, 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk.